Phil McCabe, the group of you involved in that, thank you for that. Though it's a lot of work around here that's been getting done. Thank you. All right, so now about this trip to Israel. It was a good trip. It was a little different than any other trip I've taken before. Um, I'm going to kind of plug some of my dad's trips here. If you ever want to see a lot of the land, go with my dad. If you ever want to not see a lot of the land, go with this group. <laughs> we moved a little bit slower speed. It wasn't necessarily a, um, uh, a trip designed for tour, but there was a tour element to it. And I'll show you some slides here in a minute. I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. But it was a, it was a good trip. There were 150 people from about a dozen different countries represented, some congregational leaders, some people from congregations. Uh, we were at a number, number of uh, places, um, synagogues, messianic synagogues in Israel, and these are synagogues that believe in Jesus as the Messiah, as the Savior, as the Christ, which is really a right-on thing, very biblical. So, all right, first slide. Let's bring it up, Mike. This was our very first stop. We woke up and we went to this place. And on your right, on that top row of windows, that second story there, it's actually a third story, but it looks like a second story of windows. That's where the synagogue is. And in a minute, you'll see the, uh, what it looks like. The rest of it, all those windows, actually is warehouse. And they've got a thing there. and They call it Tents of Mercy. It's, it's not just a thing. It's, a, uh, it's an organization. And they collect goods and money to buy goods, everything from diapers, clues, clothes, um, food, furniture, Anything that you can imagine, they've had cars there. Anything that you can imagine, they, they stack it in the warehouse and they give it to people. They don't give it to, to Jews, they don't give it to Christians, just Jews or just Christians or just Arabs. They give it to anybody that's in need and, uh, and they do it with no strings attached. But when people get the food or the clothes or the diapers or the furniture, they say, why are you giving us this for free? Well, it's funny that you ask. <laughs> So that's, how, that's their opportunity to talk about the Lord. And, 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 and really, that's that whole ministry. It's, uh, they get lots of money and donations, and they raise lots of money, and they really live, uh, in a lot of ways, kind of a sacrificial life. It's not easy to be a believer in Israel. Um, if, you are, if you move to Israel as an American, or if you take on a dual citizenship, and they know that you are sharing faith, you're sharing about the Lord, they can kick you out. If you're there on a vacation, and you hit the streets with... And you tell people about Jesus, they can kick you out there too. So it's, it's a difficult lifestyle to, to live. And this is the first place we saw, and that's what they do. That's the way they get involved in their community. They've had tremendous inroads in doing that. Next slide. This is the inside of that building, that's, that, second, that third store area. And it's hard to tell, but the man up front is Dan Juster. Some of you remember Dan Juster. He was here speaking to us some months ago. He's actually been here a couple times, and he was kind of welcome, welcoming us. Uh, the first day we had a, uh, mainly just conference-style uh, events. We had lots of different speakers and sessions and that sort of thing. Probably uh, it was good for our jet lag. In the first part of the day, we were all very focused. And in the second half of the day, uh, there were a lot of people having a hard time keeping eyes open. But it was, a good, it was a good conference start to the event. Next slide, please. This is uh, the Mediterranean Sea. So what we would do is, in different stages, we would go to different places and just pray. we pray for Israel. The Bible says pray for the peace of Jerusalem. So we took that in a literal way, and we would go to these places and pray. And, and I want to pause here for a minute and really thank all of you who are praying with us. As we were on this tour, um, on this trip, you know, you're praying for us to be effective in that land, and we were praying to be effective in that land, and I really believe that God answered prayers. I had some very good prayer time, some very directional prayer time that God uh, kind of led me through some new things. I, I believe my dad had some good experiences in his prayer time. And, of course, all of it, we're praying for Israel. It doesn't, doesn't matter if you're there or if, or, or if you're here. 
praying for these things is a good thing, and we're all connected to the same Lord. And thank you for being involved in that. This was not just a trip that two of us took physically. It was a trip that many of us took spiritually. And thank you for doing that. And this is one of those places. We had, again, 150 people in a circle in a place of the beach where we could have it private enough to pray. And it was kind of a popcorn prayer. One person would pray and somebody else would pray. It's a very nice prayer time. And I turned around and I took a picture. Isn't that beautiful? All right, rough place to be this time of year. All right, next slide. Back inside of that, uh, that first Messianic synagogue that we were in, um, it's hard to see in front, but there's a group of women. They're from Kenya, and they're standing next to a Kenyan national flag, and they brought two Kenyan flags, one flag to hold up and say, Kenya is behind you, Israel. Kenya is with you. And the other flag they cut in small pieces and said, you know, we're scattered as Kenyans, but we're coming together and we'll be with you then. And it was, just a, it was a very nice gesture. But here they were leading us in a song in Swahili. And nobody understood the words, but we had the best time worshiping with them. You know, people are like, yeah. <laughs> you know, it had a nice beat to it. And uh, it was pretty cool. All right, next slide. It's a little tough to tell. I was trying to take a panoramic picture with my camera. Let's hear it for iPhones, right? Not only a great electronic Bible, but also a camera. So then I, was, uh, I had a shot, and I was trying to manipulate it and make it a little bigger, but you'll get the gist of it here. I was, we were standing toward the, toward the top part of a hill, and it was, it was just past... The, uh, the growing season, so things were kind of starting to brown. Generally, this is a very green area, and you can still see some of that green in the, in the lower part of the slide. At the lower part of the slide, where it's kind of flat, that's the Sea of Galilee. It's not very big. It's not much different than Pewaukee Lake. If that puts a size there, the Bible makes it sound massive by calling it a sea. But we prayed where that tree is, that first tree, and we all tried to gather in the, in the shade. You know, it, it is the Middle East, and that sun is bright. So... <laughs> We all tried to jam around that shade. We had a really interesting group, not only numerically, but physically. We had some very young people. We had some people in high school. And we had some people on the other side uh, with uh, walkers and canes. There was a lady who was blind who had made the trip. Um, so we would kind of just move at a speed that could uh, everybody could be together. And when we would find shade, a lot of times we would stop in the shade, and, and, and that was our place to pray. And that's what we did there. We had a time of teaching and a time of prayer. Um, the Galilee is very important. That Galilee is the whole water source for the country. Important place to pray. Next slide. Um, Israel has an interesting uh, makeup. This is another messianic synagogue. The man on your right is the congregational leader. Uh, he's Russian, or from, I would say from the former Soviet Union. There's lots of Russian-speaking Israelis. Uh, when the Soviet Union, when the walls fell... They made Aliyah, they returned, lots of Jews from, the, from the, the Soviet bloc returned to Israel, so many so that just roughly one in five Israelis is Russian-speaking, not Hebrew-speaking. So they have a culture within a culture. And uh, there's lots of congregations that will translate in multiple languages. So they'll speak Hebrew, and then they'll translate to English, and then they'll translate again to Russian. So it's an interesting dynamic. And this congregation was specifically for Russian speakers. Um, he was from one of the Soviet countries, the former Soviet countries, and uh, he had started this congregation. It's a kind of a neat building. It's hard to see. It was wider more than it was long, so it looks like we're close, but it was actually a nice wide building. We had a great worship there and a uh, great time of uh, prayer and worship and some teaching as well. That was pretty cool. And we ate, and i got to tell you, uh, European food, I think, is <clears throat> not my food of choice, unless you like a lot of cucumbers and tomatoes and you want to eat them three times a day. It's, a, it's not exactly an Americanized place, but we, this place, they thought they would do something different for us and have food that was um, more of an Eastern European, like a, like a Russian food, they called it. 
It was good. It was a change of pace. It was good. Next slide. We were able to join. This is a national day. This is one meeting. It's in a place called Carmel, which is on a mountain. It's the same mountain that Elijah called down fire and destroyed the sacrifice. Some of you remember that story in the Bible. And uh, this, was a, this is actually a church, but it's the National Day of Prayer for the Unborn in Israel. And what's amazing about this is, yes, it's a good thing to pray for the unborn. That's a wonderful thing. But what's amazing is that they have a national, an organized national event where all across the nation and different congregations, people were getting together to pray for this. That means they're networked. They're above ground. 20 years ago, there wouldn't be anybody talking about this sort of thing because of the persecution that they would suffer and just talking about praying uh, in a non-Jewish way, uh, in a way that would be, or so it's very Jewish actually, but in the name of Jesus is something that would be uh, not uh, good news. So here we are 20 years later, and now they're praying above ground. There's a whole organized national event. It's amazing. This is a type of a, this is actually a miracle in Israel. It's very cool. There were a lot of people there, over 300, there was time of testimonies, prayer, worship, um, in all three languages, so it was kind of neat to see that in action. Very cool. Next slide. This is a city called Haifa. We stayed in a city called Akko, and Akko is, if you look toward the top across the water, across the Mediterranean, you'll see two little white spots. Those are cities on the edge of the water. That's where Akko is. And uh, so Akko is an Arab city, actually, mostly Arab, and, and Haifa is a, is a Jewish city. And uh, Haifa is a major Jewish port, and it's also a center for Jewish uh, high-tech stuff. There's a lot of high-tech industries in Israel. It's very important to their country, to their income, and also to their national defense. So uh, Haifa is a high-tech area and a shipping area, so they kind of seem like two ends of the spectrum. But we prayed here, and if you imagine, this is where I turn, turned around to take the picture, so we were praying facing up, and I tur- turned around and took the picture. It's very, very, very beautiful. In the last war, which is about five or six years ago, something like that, maybe not even that long ago, uh, the Arab community was firing rockets into this city. So it was very close. It was an easy target. It's on a hill. Not hard to miss. A big hill, right? And uh, it's actually much larger than it looks, but you can imagine missiles hitting uh, for months. Missiles hit this city. Next slide, please. This is another place we prayed, and this is me trying to take a panoramic view again. I, I wanted you to show, I guess, the width of... I wanted you to see the width of the room, but next slide. This is what it looked a little more directly... Uh, we prayed here. This is, uh, some of you remember Asher Intrader. Asher was here. He's spoken a couple times here. And this is kind of his home base. We're just outside of Jerusalem at this point. We're in the Judean hills. And it's an interesting verse in the Bible. Some of you remember it says, you know, go and tell people about me first in Jerusalem, where they were, and then Judea, and then Samaria. Well, they're just a hill away. So if you imagine, I had turned around, if, if you imagine turning around and you're looking at a hill, you'd be looking at a Judean hill. So one side's Jerusalem, you're on another hill, which is Judea, and then Samaria. So basically in that verse he's saying, just tell people about me from hill to hill to hill, or place to place to place. Not all across the world, but just place to place to place. Um, this is also one of the only wooden places there is. This is called a, it used to be a kibbutz. In the 70s, a, a man from Finland came over, and, and it's a miracle story, but he was able to get this land from the prime minister, Golda Meir, and they decided to make a kibbutz there, uh, which later turned into a mushav, which is like a place where you can live. Uh, it's, a kibbutz is a community where they share. It's like a commune. Well, a mushav is a little different. People can live there, but they don't all work together. They pay rent to live there. And uh, so it's turned from a kibbutz to a mushav, and uh, it's a really neat place because it is the only place in all of Israel 
where the whole community believes in Messiah Jesus. It is a messianic community. And it's the only one in Israel. It's very, very unique in that regard. And again, it's unique that it exists. And it's also wood, and I want to point that out. There's, you will find almost no wooden structures in Israel. They're all made of stone or concrete. Trees were a premium. There's a whole story to that. But the man in the 70s, when he came from Finland, he decided to bring all this wood with him. So he made this whole wooden community. It's really cool. This, at least this meeting house is, is uh, wooden. Um, and again, this is where Asher and Trader t- makes his home base in Jerusalem. The other place that I, we started off in looking at the out, with the outside building and the warehouses, that's uh, several, uh, several, it's quite a distance actually from this area. All right, next slide. This is our last slide. This is toward the end of our trip. We had the chance for another prayer session, teaching session. This was in the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus prayed before he was taken on the cross. What's, this is a little different than the oldest part of the Garden of Gethsemane. I want to kind of bring that out. Uh, these are olive trees. All the trees around us are olive trees. Uh, these are old olive trees, but they're not quite 2,000 years old. So we were able to come to this area, which is a little bit newer, still part of the garden, still in that same proximity of Jesus, probably within, who knows, 100 yards, I would believe. Um, and we prayed there and had a good teaching uh, the old part doesn't have, while it's got the old trees, it doesn't have the space for a group of 150 to come and pray and have communion and, uh, and be together and, and, and just, you know, really consider the Lord. It was very cool. It was a great trip. All in all, this trip, uh, generally when we would stop at these different places, we prayed for two different things. The first thing we prayed for was the land. Israel is a, it's in a difficult area. Uh, it's not very big. It's roughly the size of New Jersey. It's about 250 miles long, roughly, and about 60 miles wide, roughly. And half of that is desert. I mean, arid desert, sand, right? Um, dry desert. So it's, uh, it is a unique environment, and it's certainly in a challenging space. We prayed a lot for the land uh, itself and their resources and their government. But really, the second thing we prayed for was revival. A straight-up revival in the land of Israel. And it was cool to pray for those things. I think revival, you know, in my opinion, I think revival is probably uh, one of the, the most common prayer requests for believers in churches today. Praying for revival, it doesn't matter what denomination somebody's in, people are always praying for revival. Right? How many of you have prayed for revival? I mean, we pray for our safety, for our children, for our families, but revival is like the next thing. Now, that's my opinion. Maybe you pray for something more than revival. But in churches, we pray a lot for revival. In Israel, we certainly did that. Uh, I believe we're doing it in churches now. Um, I want to talk a little bit about revival today. A little bit about it. Excuse me. And for those of you listening online. ah. So, you know, it's funny. I believe when I listen to people pray for revival, I think a lot of times they're praying for a refreshing. God, I need a refreshing. They don't say revival. They say revival, but I think they need ref- mean refreshing. Then I've heard people tell you had pray for revival, and I think maybe they mean different things. I'm not really sure. But for today, for our discussion today, when we talk about revival, we're going to take an online dictionary definition for that term revival. You ready? By the way, I'm not taking a definition out of the Bible because the word revival isn't in the Bible. There are things that mean revival and that kind of pull to it, but the, the actual definition, the actual word revival isn't quite there. You have to break it through other words. So we're just going to take revival, an online dictionary, and for our purposes today, it means this. You ready? 
an improvement in the condition, an improvement in the condition or the strength of something. An improvement in the condition or the strength of something. Does that work for today? Yeah? You know, I was going to buy a um, souvenir in Israel. This is a tangent. This is not spiritual at all. I was going to buy myself a souvenir in Israel. So what do I buy, right? You know, sometimes you go places, you want to get something to remember the place. What do I buy? Hmm. And I talked to my dad about that. What am I? He, he said, what are you going to buy? I don't know. What are you going to buy? I don't know. You know what I think I bought for a souvenir? Energy drinks. Because <laughs> the first part of the trip, I couldn't stay awake. And then they have these drinks called Excel. And uh, they don't have the same kick as a Red Bull. But I tell you, if you drink three of them, you can... <laughs> It's like a little liquid pick-me-up, you know. And some of you judge me right now. If you drink coffee, don't judge me. Your, your hands are dirty. Anyhow, that was, a, that was a tangent. All right, so remember, what are we talking about? An improvement in the condition or the strength uh, of something. I believe the Bible has two types of revival in it. So with that definition in mind, improvement in the strength and condition of something, we're going to look at two types of revival in the Bible. Right? You with me? Two types. Um, And I want to say one thing also as we get into this. There is one thing about revival that really jumps out. And it's not part of that definition, but it's inherent to that definition. If if you're talking about revival, the improvement and the strength of something, improvement, there is change that's inherent to that, isn't there? You can't have improvement without change. You can't strengthen something without change. If I work out, I'll get stronger, but then I have to change my practice and work out. Right? Although, I can still take my brother. Some of you know my brother. Yeah. All right, two types of revival. First type, Genesis 11. We're going to read this together here. Now the whole earth had one language and one speech. And it came to pass, as they journeyed from the east, that they found a plain in the land of Shinar. uh, And they dwelt there. Who's they? All the people of the world. There wasn't all that many back then, so they is the, the people in the world. They dwelt there, in this plain of Shinar. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had brick for stone and they had asphalt for mortar. So they've got good building materials here. And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city, a tower on whose top is in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, Indeed, the people are one, and they have one language, and this is what they begin to do. Now nothing that they propose to do will be held from with them, uh, withheld from them. So I want to kind of go back to this part here. This, uh, let's, let's talk through this for a minute. They get this, they're, gonna, they, they're a group of people, and they're living in a plane, and they say, you know, we've got to build something, something big. Let's build a tower. They get their ingredients to do this, and they want it. they've got a, what they believe is a noble purpose for building this, this big tower. They think they've got this plan, right, this noble purpose. We've got to build this lest we be scattered and, 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 and really forgotten, and that's our thing. We don't want to be forgotten. You know, we're kind of somebody right now. We're all the people. So they've got this really good idea to build this monument, this legacy for themselves. And the Lord says, boy, they could do it. They could build this tower. The story goes on. And we know it as the Tower of Babel. The Lord confuses their languages and they end up scattering. They had a revival of a type. They were trying to change something. They were trying to build a legacy there. But their legacy was not for God. 
This revival, this, this regrouping, this improvement, this strengthening was only for themselves. There wasn't much there. By the way, I want to say this. I have a legacy at my house. I do. You come to my house, you'll see a legacy that I have. It's called my mailbox. It's mine. It's a Sussler mailbox. It's a tribute to me for the mailman. Just saying. All right. Anyhow, they meant well, right? And the revival clearly didn't go all that well. They were scattered. They had big troubles. They had troubles they had never experienced before. Imagine one day you say, yeah, I'll see you at five. And the next day somebody shows up at five and they can't even talk to you. Well, it must have been a head trip. But then there's another type of revival. There's another type. Acts 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all in one accord in one place. Now I want to stop here for a minute. The day of Pentecost. They knew this day was sort of coming. They, they didn't know what it meant. Just after Jesus died, he rose from the dead, and, and he hung out with, uh, with his disciples for a season of time. And then he went into heaven, and, he, and he, the disciples were told, go wait in Jerusalem. Something's going to happen in Jerusalem. So he's gone into heaven. The disciples know that something's going to happen in Jerusalem. They don't know what it is. So this is what it is. They go to Jerusalem. They're hanging out. They're waiting. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all in one accord in one place. And suddenly, so there they are. They're all together. Suddenly, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. In this congregation, we read this verse. I've read this verse here. This is a well-known passage of Scripture here. But it's a good thing to pause and consider it here because we've got this group of people hanging out on the day of Pentecost, on the day of Shavuot. They're hanging out in a typical Jewish holiday and they're being together and they're in one accord. And that expression, one accord, literally translates to the same passion. They are together with the same passion. The same passion. And we know that that passion was built on obedience to the Lord. We know that they were there because God told them to go there. After this rushing wind, they had, it, was a, it was a miraculous time. They stood up. Uh, Peter stood up and he ended up preaching a whale of a message. A whale of a message. And there were a bunch of people around that, that had heard this. And that day, and i got to tell you, it was a short day. It was a short day. It was in the evening when this happened. And that day... 3,000 people came to faith. 3,000 people said, you know what? Jesus is the one. He's the one. I want to live with him. He's the one. But it all happened because they were gathered together with the same passion. That revival took place because it was for the Lord and they had the same passion. Passion. But then we can read on in verse 46, same chapter. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church, the community of believers there, daily those who were being saved, those who were coming to faith, they were added to daily. But I really like that first line here. I don't want to gloss over it. So continuing daily with the same passion, the same passion... You know, sometimes when revivals occur, we, I, I think a lot of people, and I felt this way over the years, and I, I, I believe now that looking back, I was wrong at this, in this thinking that the revival isn't like a one and done. Well, I feel better. That's wonderful. Revival is the beginning. We can continue to walk in that revival, maintain that same passion. 
And that's what this first group did. They don't know anything. They don't have a New Testament. There's no new covenant. They're just together in the same passion. Boy, we sure, we sure are going to do right by God. So they continue with that. So it kind of makes you wonder, what is, that, what is that same passion? What is that one accord? What did they have? What, what, how were they on the same page? Not just on the same page, but passionate about it. So my daughter had a, had a teacher, my oldest daughter, and I won't say who it is, Johanna. She had a teacher in high school. And uh, this was, you know, one of these teachers that's very influential in your child's life. You know the kind of teacher I'm talking about? And this was a teacher that uh, she used to, tell the, she used to uh, tell the kids in the class, I guess, my daughter certainly, uh, follow your passions. How many of you heard that expression, follow your passions? Okay, it feels good to say that. But there's a right kind of passion and a wrong kind of passion to follow. Although this kind of passion we're talking about is one that's built in the Lord. It's absolutely built in the Lord. And we have to look at the greatest revivalist of all time to understand <coughs> to understand more about this. Jesus Christ is the greatest revivalist that ever walked the earth in the history of the world. Another thing about jet lag is sometimes just adjusting to the, the climate. I've been cold since last week. <clears throat> and I'm dry. Which is funny, I left the desert, right? Shouldn't I be drier there than here? This is weird. It's odd. Yeah, it's all the Red Bull. So, <laughs> but you know what? You who judge Red Bull, when they open a can in heaven, I'm going to make fun of you. <laughs> Anyhow, if we're really going to understand passion, if we're going to understand what it is, what mind to have, we've got to really look at the greatest, the mind of the greatest revivalist of all time. It's, it's, and it's Jesus. So Philippians 2, verses 1 through 5. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort and of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, being of one passion, of one mind. Let this mind in you be which, uh, let this mind in you which is also in Christ Jesus. We have to have His mind his be on that same passion if we want to be involved in a revival. We've got to have the same one, the same thing. You know, uh, uh, our work can't be our passion. It cannot be. They get a lot of hours from us. I, I spend more time at work than I do at my house, right? Amen? Some of you too? Our work can't be our passion. Nobody lays in their deathbed and says, I sure wish I could have worked more. Our family can't be our number one passion if we want revival. The Lord and His mind has to be our number one passion if we want revival. It's wonderful to pray for the unborn. That's a wonderful cause. That can't be our number one passion. It's wonderful to be involved and, and pray for our government. That can't be our number one passion. It has to be the mind of the Lord. That has to be our passion. And obviously we're people. He was the Savior. We're not going to necessarily get it all immediately, but we can start to build around it. So what is the mind of the Lord? I'll tell you next week. I am. This is my cliffhanger. Was that pretty good? you got to come back next week. But revival's where it's at. You know, this legacy, my mailbox legacy, when I leave, my mailbox will stay in my house. Somebody, my, the name will be off. Somebody else's name will be on there. The mailman will bring mail for somebody else. 
It's not really much of a legacy, is it? But everybody can know if they drive by my street, that's my mailbox. It's a temporary legacy. The tower that they were trying to build would have been a temporary legacy. Even though they had good building ingredients, it would be a temporary legacy. The legacy of the same mind of the Lord lasts forever. And I'll tell you, it brings peace with it. It brings peace. It's a crazy thing to think that if I'm like the Lord, I'm going to have peace even though people around me aren't going to understand me. But that's the way the Lord is. He brings peace even though people don't always understand. Peace. Imagine, I mean, inside peace. It's a permanent legacy. We carry it all our days. It's a peace we have with, when we're on our deathbed. I've known believers who have been on their deathbed, but they have a peace. Some of you know those people too. It's amazing. It's a miracle. To not have that permanent legacy, to not have just temporary legacy like building a tower or, or a mailbox or whatever else we do, it's, uh, you know, it's nice and all, but it, there's not much to it. It's, got, it's uh, built on sand. It's got no, no bones, nothing that's going to last. <coughs> I think, you know, if we visit people in the cemetery, we usually just visit the people we know or we knew. Our parents, our siblings, our grandparents, our aunts, uncles, maybe our great-grandparents. But past that, there's nobody going to the, to the cemetery for somebody that died 200 years ago. Oh, I remember my great-great-great-aunt Mabel. I heard stories about her. I think I'll go to... It doesn't happen very often. Permanent legacy only comes from having the same mind as Christ, along with that peace. We're hooked into a larger legacy, and we have peace. If you don't have that, I want to give you the chance for it today. For peace and to be hooked into a larger legacy, permanent legacy, a family, a legacy for right now on earth. I think a lot of times people think of legacy in the afterlife. That is not what this legacy is for. This legacy is for now. Yes, there's afterlife benefits. That's cool. But this is for peace today. And we all need this chance. For those of you who already have this legacy, you're already believers, you've already said, you know, Lord, I want to be involved in your legacy. I want to make you and your way my way. And I'm going to live for your way. You've already done that. You're already in. You're hooked. You're golden. Safe. If you've never done that before and you'd like to do that, then I want to meet with you afterward. But until then, I would love to see your hand now so I know who I'm meeting with. Who's going to do it? All right, some of you might, if you're anything like me, you don't like to put your hand up in public, swing up afterward, I'm going to be here. But next week we talk about the mind. And I'm going to pick just one aspect of the mind to talk about. There's no way in one, one Sunday service we can talk about the whole mind of Christ. I'm going to pick one aspect, and you've got to come. Next week's free. <laughs> A week after that, when somebody else preaches, it's expensive. I'm kidding. No, come next week. Uh, and also, when we close, if you're not sure, if you want that peace in your life, if you want to understand more of that legacy, like I understand it or I'm trying to understand it, I really do want to talk to you. So just swing on up. I'll be here hanging out, and we can talk. Plus, I want to meet some of you. I haven't met everybody in this room. You know, it's really cool looking in a room knowing that I haven't met everybody. So praise God. Please stand up. We're going to uh, bow our heads for a word of prayer. and We'll stand to do that. Lord God, we thank you very much for revival. We thank you very much for that peace that comes with revival and that direction that comes with it, that same passion that that we would share, Lord. 
And we pray for a greater understanding here. We pray for that direction here, that same passion here. And God, for people looking for peace, I pray for them, that they would understand that relationship of you. And as we talk later, Lord God, that they would have a clearer understanding. Lord God, I pray for this time, this fellowship, for the rest of the service, and even throughout this week, Lord God, that we would see you, more, learn more about you, and develop our own walks with you in fresh ways and strong ways, Lord. We pray for blessings on this congregation as we are blessed by you. Thank you very much, Father God, for this time, this group, and this local family. In Jesus' name, amen.